I tell people the best time to read God's word is early in the morning. If you read early in the morning, people won't disturb you. Not too many people are going to get up to get on the phone early in the morning. But if you get, on, if you get up early in the morning and just read and to, to, to just study and meditate upon God's word, I promise you it would do you well in the course of a day. Because we're going to run into somebody in the course of a day. I believe that God sends people our way every day that we can teach the gospel to. I believe that God sends people our way that we need to restore back to the fold in the spirit of meekness. I believe that God sends people our way just so that we get an opportunity to share with individuals the goodness and the greatness of God. As we look at the Gospel of John tonight, I want us to understand that the Gospel of John has to deal with the fact that John wanted people to know that Jesus was deity. John wanted people to understand and to know that Jesus was certainly the second of the Godhead. He wanted them to know that Jesus himself was God. So as we study the Gospel of John tonight, I want you to see how powerful the Gospel of John really is. Now, I'm not going to stay in, in, in John. I'm going to show you a couple of things, but I want to move because I want to show that John is a serious gospel that we ought to spend time in and really develop lessons out of and to teach people in the course of our daily busy lives. Because once we understand the gospel of John, you will get excited every day that you get an opportunity to read the gospel of John. When you see the gospel of John, you'll understand, and I know you read it, and you're comfortable with it, but can I share something with you here this afternoon that uh, I, I asked Brother Powell to let me know when uh, 8 o'clock comes because now Chuck sent me a word and said, the kids will be out, Floyd, if you're still preaching. I guess he knows I'm sort of, sort of long-winded, but I'm going to try to do this in a timely fashion, all of this if it's possible tonight. Once you start reading the Gospel of John and spending time to see that Jesus was God's spokesman from the very beginning of time. You appreciate all that John reveals for you and I. When we take an opportunity to just see, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That alone helps me and motivates me to understand the goodness of God. The Father could have done all that he could have wanted to do by himself. But there are three in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I marvel at the fact that he shows us how that we can appreciate him every day. We see the sun, the moon, and the stars. That reminds me of just how powerful God is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When he created you and I, he made us a trichotomy. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. When we read through the scriptures, we can actually see how God took a servant, put him in the belly of a whale, and there he stayed three days and three nights. When you come to the New Testament, you see the identity, how God appreciates the identity of three once again. Je Jesus has three close friends, Peter, James, and John. You see him up going up Calvary's hill. There are three crosses, one dying to sin, one dying in sin, and one dying for sin. When you see Jesus' cross, there are three inscriptions above the cross, Latin, Hebrew, and Greek. 
When you see Jesus and understand that he dies, he stays dead three days and three nights, but I'm told that when he arose, the angels sung a hymn that only had three words, holy, holy, holy. So when you can really go through and just marvel at the goodness of God, I get sort of surprised, I get excited, so y'all gonna have to excuse me, this is just me. No one had ever seen the Father at any time. Why? Simply because the Son was the spokesman of the Father. So when you go through the Gospel of John and you're spending some time and really getting to know Jesus, getting to understand the Father and really seeing how the Holy Spirit is going to work as our comforter, just start at chapter 1 and you can actually see that the Son was with the Father from the beginning of time. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse number 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. Verse number 17, the Bible reminds us that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. John 1 and 18 reminds us that no one has ever seen the Father at any time. I'm thankful that I can just simply take time in the gospel of John because John shows us that Jesus truly is the Lamb of God. In chapter 2 of John, we see that he changes water to wine, but that's not the kicking part of the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is so important, and the kicking to me is when Jesus tells them that, he says, you destroyed this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. The Jews said it took us 46 years to build this. They didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about the temple, his body. So when you get to John chapter 3, you see Jesus talking to Nicodemus because Nicodemus comes to him in the middle of the night. But this is the good part. Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into this world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Now that's chapter 3. But in chapter 4, you'll see him sitting on the well in Samaria, just waiting to have a conversation with a young lady. This is what gets me in John, chapter 4. He tells her, go get your husband. She says, I have none. He said, you have well spoken. You've had five, and the one that you're with right now is not even your own. She said, well, now, I'm told that the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he should reveal to us all things. Jesus says, I am he. I am he. She was so excited, she left the water pot, went all the way back to town and to get and to tell somebody that I've met and I've had a conversation with the Messiah. That ought to motivate us to be the greatest evangelist known to mankind. We should go out and tell everybody that we meet that Jesus is Lord. We should tell everyone that Jesus only promised to build one church. He died and purchased one church. But... We've got to have that motivation. We've got to have that zeal. We've got to have that energy that the lady had when she ran. Chapter 5. We take chapter 5 and we remember that he says search the scriptures. But chapter 5 is deep. Chapter 5 is, is enough there in chapter 5 that calls us to actually want to just preach one sermon. He said marvel not that one day He's going to call the, the dead from the grave. 
and they're going to get up. I'd like to preach tonight that in before death, we need Jesus. Even in death, we need Jesus. And in the resurrection, we need Jesus. But in John chapter 6, we sometimes forget this, chap this, book, this chapter here because here they, where, they, where they wanted to make Jesus a bread king. And when he started to speak in the truth to him, it was too hard for him to, to, to just take. So he asked his disciples, the 12, he said, now, will you also go away? They said, no, Lord, where shall we go? That has the words of eternal life. That's the attitude we ought to have. Jesus has the words of eternal life. John chapter 7, Jesus reminds us that his doctrine was not his doctrine. It came down from the Father. He, he said it came from he that sent me. That's who doctrine it really is. So in John chapter 8, we all know John chapter 8. This is where the woman was caught in the very act of adultery. This is where we see Jesus stooping and rising. He stoops down to right and to ignore. He, ri he rises up to make sure if you can cast the first stone and throw a stone at it. The Bible lets us know that everybody left. In John chapter 10, and I know everybody knows this, I'm just having fun. So in John chapter 10, he said, the thief coming not but to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. In chapter 11, this is where Jesus' friend Lazarus dies. He receives a letter, but he waits four days. He waits because there is a challenge that is there. He's going to show that God the Father is truly the God, and he's going to show that he's God the Son. He, he meets Martha, and he tells Martha, did, I, did you not know that I am the resurrection? She said, yes, I know that. So he asked, where have you laid him? He goes out and he raises Lazarus from the grave. But in chapter 12, you find out that Lazarus is up. He's sitting and eating. And the very people that see him get up from a cold grave are the very ones that wants to kill him all over again. And this is so sad. That that's 10 and 11, well, 11 and 12. So now we're in chapter 13. This is where he girded himself, takes a basin of water, and washes his disciples' feet. Chapter, four, he said, chapter 14, he said, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Are y'all having fun like I'm having fun? Are y'all just wondering, what's really wrong with him? Now, Chuck told me to come preach. That's what I'm trying to do. Huh? So, so in 15, we find out how the Holy Spirit is going to be the comforter. In 16, we see that he's coming and he's going to direct them into all truth. 17, we see, this is really Jesus's prayer in the garden of Gethsemane. This is the prayer that he prayed on three occasions one night. I can't believe I left that one out on my identity of three. And I know he prayed this prayer three times. So in 17, that's him praying. 18, y'all know in 18, he's crucified. 19, he's been dead. 20, he raises from the grave. He's raised from the grave. And then one that didn't want to believe that he was raised from the dead declared that he's God and Lord. Y'all know Thomas. And then in 21, y'all know he asked Peter, he said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. That's the power of the gospel of John. That's just the power. Now, I had to give that to you before I take you where I want to take you. So when you look in chapter 5, he says, search the scriptures. 
For in them ye think ye have eternal life. But they are they that testify of me. But you will not come to me that you might have life. How are you going to reject Jesus? I ask this question every time the word is proclaimed. How are you going to reject Jesus? Isaiah 53, getting into verses number one, Isaiah asked the question, who has believed my report? Verse number two, he says, because there is no beauty of him that they should desire him. That's one of the reasons they reject Jesus, because he wasn't like they wanted him to be. But the key is this. Jesus is still God's son. He's still the savior of mankind. He loved us enough to look past our faults and to die for the sins of you and I. So I say that we are to search the scriptures, and I want to search the scriptures tonight, and there are three things I want to show you. This three, this three. I, I really want to show you six, but I'll just show you three. Uh, we want to see the scriptures declare God's son. And I should have came up in here and fixed this earlier so that you could see this all. See the scriptures declare God's son. Secondly, I want you to see the, see the scriptures develop salvation through God's son. And then thirdly, see the scriptures display God's son. I'm going to show you tonight that Jesus, before we knew he was Jesus, showed himself on several occasions. We call it a theophanist. Those get me excited because that's Jesus. This is God's son. This is the second of the Godhead. This is God's spokesman. And he was willing to leave glory to show how good, how great the Father really is. And how much he loves you and I. But all right, let's work here a little bit. Let's see the scriptures. Really declare God's son. And we can actually do this in verses number one of Genesis chapter one and, and verse number one. And everybody knows Genesis one in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. The word Elohim is actually all three gods. We know that there is one God, but each one will have different personality. So we have to see that God the Father, we have to see God the Son, and we have to see God the Holy Spirit. Now watch what God does for you and I. Because he shows us Elohim, and we see that this is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But if we don't know that there's three in the Godhead, we might get confused. So watch what he does. In Genesis chapter 1 and verses number 26, when he talks about, and let us make man in our image. I say now, God, you knew someone was going to ask a question. You knew someone was going to ask it. I'm going to go on and answer it for you. So he said, let us. Wait a minute, who is the us? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you stay with this and stay in Genesis 3 and verses number 22, the Bible said, and the Lord God, and the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. Now, you know, this is where I get in trouble with my wife. But after 35 years, I don't mind getting in trouble. I tell my grandson, 
Papa don't get in trouble at home. Papa is the head, so Papa don't get in trouble. Y'all men believe that, right? Okay, I understand. Y'all don't want to get in trouble tonight. I stay in trouble. I said, you know, I could imagine how Adam was walking by the Garden of Eden and had his boys walking with him. He say, sons, look over there. Y'all see that cherub spinning around with that sword in his hand? We used to live over there, but mama ate us out of a house and a home. <laughs> mama did that. Mama did that. Okay. There's some ladies looking at me like they want to jump on me. See the scriptures declare God, and I was just trying to get a laugh. That's all I was trying to do. In Genesis 11, in Genesis 11, verse 6 and 7, the Bible said, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they all have one language, and they have begun to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and therefore confound the language that they may not understand one another's speech. I'm just trying to show you that God shows us that there's more than one in the Godhead. He shows us that there are three. He shows us that there's a plurality. There's more than just one. So when I say that, I said, let's see the scriptures declare God's son. Now, the Jews read the scriptures. The, script, the, the Jews took pride in knowing the scriptures. So when he tells them in John chapter 5, he says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. They are they that testify of me. How are you going to read the scriptures and still reject me? That's like going down the highway and you see the signal light says red. Everybody knows that red means to stop. And you decide, I'm not stopping. You just going through. You get hit. It's a serious accident. When someone asks you what happened, you would not tell them you ran that red light. I guarantee you would not tell them. But the cameras up there would tell that you ran that red light. How are we going to reject Jesus? How are the Jews going to reject Jesus? Simply because they wanted to. Well, Let's move a little further. Not only do I want to show you how the scriptures declare Jesus, but we need to see how the scriptures develop salvation through God's Son. Now, Titus 1 and 2 had not been written. But for my sake and for yours, I want to go there. Paul writes to Titus, and he says, in hope of eternal life, the God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Before the world began, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had devised a plan to save mankind. Jesus knew he was coming to die on the cross before the world even began. Jesus knew 
he was going to give his life as a ransom to pay a bill that he did not owe because we had a bill that we could not pay. So the scriptures actually develop salvation so that you and I can see it and it all happens through Jesus. When we take an opportunity to just see how sin entered into the world. We know Genesis chapter 3. And the only thing that Satan did was simply tell Eve, did God not say that you could eat from the trees of the garden? And she answered correctly, yes. But he said from the one in the midst that we could not. Satan said, you're not going to die. He's just playing on words. Because the father said, you shall surely die. We forget that sin separates us from God. When sin separates us from God, we are spiritually dead. Paul writes to Timothy and says that, that she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she yet liveth. So we understand, yes. So we have to understand right here, Genesis 3 and 15, salvation is developed. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. I'm going to make this simple tonight. It's not going to be hard. This is the simple way of understanding this. When Jesus died on the cross, he suffered greatly. Therefore, the heel was bruised by Satan. Jesus' death allowed God to forgive sins. This is Satan's head being crushed. This is God working out salvation for mankind. When I was told as a little boy this was the first prophecy of Jesus, I asked the question. Show it to me because I don't understand it. Show it to me because I just don't see it. Well, as I got older, Faber Nichols was the one that actually just broke it down. He said, now, this is the easiest way to remember this. And I've always remembered this, that when Jesus died on the cross, since he suffered greatly, that's his heel being bruised. You know, Jesus died never to die again. And we shouldn't fear death today. Because if we in Christ Jesus, death has no hold on us. That's why I say it's good to have Jesus with you in life as well as in death. That he'll be with you in the resurrection. Jesus' death allowed God to give, forgive sins. So this is Satan's head being crushed. Satan probably don't bother y'all like he bothered me. I believe he bothers preachers more than he bothers anybody else. I could be wrong. Maybe he just stay and bother me. He's at my house sometimes because Sister Rogers will go walk down the hall and she'll look at the wall and won't even look at me. Sometimes I can call her and she will not even answer the phone. I can text her and she won't text me back. I said, this is just Satan trying to bother me. That's not 8 o'clock, is it? Oh, okay. 
Y'all don't think that's Satan? Okay, I'm going to leave it alone. Nobody's on the preacher's side tonight. That's all right. See, the scriptures develop salvation through God's Son. Now, now watch this because everybody knows these two passages right here. I did not put the scripture here. I just want to see if a young person could tell me where this last one is found. And I, you know, I'm not even going to ask you right now. I'm going to ask you out the door. This is how much we pay attention on Sundays. All right? Isaiah 7 and verses number 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Somewhere in the Bible, the Bible said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Somebody especially among our youth, can tell me where that scripture is located. Now, if an adult does want to tell me, if you're walking out the door, you can tell me that too. Now, understand something. I don't have a prize to give you tonight, but I still want to know if you know where it is. Young folks, you got it? All right. I see them over there talking. They working this one out. This is the part I enjoy. Not only is the gospel of John so revealing, but when he says, search the scriptures, search the scriptures, for they are they that testify of me. The scriptures display the Lord. Every now and then you can go through the scriptures and actually see the Lord. I like the one in Joshua chapter 5. Joshua was preparing for battle. He looks, and there stands over there the captain of the Lord's army. He wonders to himself. The scripture says he wants to know. He even asks, he says, are you for us or are you against us? And the Lord says, I'm the captain of the Lord's host. And he tells him, Pull off his shoes for the ground you're standing on is holy ground. That's a theophanies. That's a visible manifestation of God. This is actually the son. Before he takes on the name of Jesus, this here is the second of the Godhead, and he is revealing himself to mankind. I even go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and see him walking in the garden in the cool of the day. But we'll take the easy part tonight and just work on the fact that in Genesis 16, verse 7 through 13, he appeared to Haggai. Y'all remember, Sarai couldn't give Abram a child. So she took a handmaiden and gave her to Abram. This was Haggai. She ran away from home. And the Lord went and got her and told her to go back to our servant. This is marvelous because we actually can see how the Lord actually works. How he has compassion for man, how he actually cares 
about mankind. He's concerned. He has a conversation with her, and he actually tells her that her son Ishmael is going to be important as well. Tell me God is not good. Tell me that he's not a gracious God. Okay. Well, let's go a little further then. Because as we see the scriptures actually displaying God's son, we can see him. The Lord showed himself to Abraham. Now, in 17, he changes Abram's name. Change from Abram to Abraham. So in chapter 18, he appears to Abraham and has a conversation with him. Now, everybody know, remember, that chapter 19 is where Sodom and Gomorrah gets destroyed, right? So when you see chapter 18, this is where you see the Lord and two other individuals. While they're sitting there and talking with Abraham, after a while, after they're eating, two of the individuals get up and they leave. And then the Lord asks the question, should I withhold this information from Abraham, knowing that he will guide his household, his children, and all right things? This, this, this chapter lets us see that God cares enough about man to have a conversation with him. Now, this is, uh, Abraham negotiates with the Lord. And I used to say that Abraham was a bold man because I don't know too many people would try to negotiate with God. But you know what? As bold as Abraham is, was. After I go back and read his read instead of the scriptures, I believe Adam got Abraham beat. Let me tell you what I mean. Abraham negotiates with God and it starts out at 50. If you find 50, will you spare, spare the city? It goes all the way down to 10. And the Lord said, if I find 10, I won't destroy the city. But wait. The Lord appears and talks to Adam after Adam and Eve have eaten the forbidden fruit. And you know what Adam had the nerve to say? Now, I know you read, but I don't know how you, you really take an opportunity to really hear this. He said, Lord, that woman you gave me. So in reality, he's saying, God, this is your fault. You gave this woman to me. And I'm like, oh, that's too bold right there now. That's too bold. God give you life. And he has the power to take life. And you're going to come at God? Like this? What I'm trying to do, people, I'm, I'm just trying to show you the goodness of God. I'm trying to show you how awesome God really is. I'm trying to show you that even though Adam and Eve sinned, 
had a plan to redeem man back to himself. But I'm also trying to show you that even though in the midst of the conversation that Adam had enough nerve to say, well, God, this is really your fault. You gave me that woman. And God didn't strike him and, you know, if my grandmother was alive, I'd tell her, God had pity on Adam and didn't kill him. Why don't you have a little pity on me <laughs> and not try to kill me? Y'all laughing, but I'm so serious. My grandmama would whip me in church, after church. She came and got me at a football practice. Do we have parents or grandparents like that today? No, no we don't. No we don't. Abraham negotiated with the Lord. And the Lord listened. This is the second person of the Godhead. This is God's spokesman. He comes and have a conversation with Abraham. He appeared. And throughout the scriptures, he showed himself. This is the goodness of God. This is the greatness of God. This theophanies, we can take it and we can see that the scriptures truly display the Lord. And when we talk about how God loved mankind, we can start in the gospel of John. And we can see, even though that the Jews did not receive him as they should have, now, if the woman at the Samaritan well, and she knew that the Messiah was coming, you knew the Jews knew the scriptures. Come on now. And by them knowing the scriptures, they should have seen the Lord. If they rehearsed their tradition, their history, as they did, because several times you can go through the scriptures and just see how that they could rehearse all of their history. And they would tell. Paul even takes a stab at it and tells them, he's from the tribe of Benjamin. So we can see. Yes, they rehearsed the scriptures. They knew that the scriptures declared God's son. They knew that the scriptures developed salvation through God's son. And yes, they actually knew that the scriptures displayed God's son. So when Jesus says, search the scriptures, study the word, for in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me. But you won't come to me that you might inherit eternal life. How are we going to reject Jesus? We should not. Time is up on us, church. I'm 55 now, and I see a lot of things 
that older preachers have said. And because I see those things, I try to rehearse them to our people again because life is just too short. James says that life is a vapor. It appeared for a little time, and then it vanishes away. And because it is short, we have a responsibility to save our souls and try to help to save the souls of others. We need to encourage our youth, and we need to build them up that they can be strong in the Word of God. We need to show them the Lord through the Scriptures. We need to be able to let them see and know that Jesus is from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We need to let them see that salvation is important. Do you know that I've even been told today that people don't even offer the invitation anymore? I don't understand that because I'm living in a time now where I know people need to be saved. Hearing the word is still important. Faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And when you hear it, you got to believe it. That's why Jesus hung, bled, and died, that we could believe it. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. So when we hear it and believe it, we must repent of our sins. And if we repent of our sins, then we ought to be able to open up our mouth and confess that Jesus Christ truly is the son of the living God. He's the second of the Godhead. He's the son of God, but he's God himself. And then we ought to push, teach, encourage baptism. Peter says that baptism now does save us. It's not to wash in the way of the filth of the flesh, but it's an answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when he says to search the scriptures, we ought to be able to see in the scriptures how they declare God's son. We ought to be able to see through the scriptures how the scriptures develop salvation through God's son. And certainly we ought to be able to see how the scriptures display God's son. Are there any questions? I can't believe I did this. If there is no question, we commend you to God in the word of his spirit. May he continue to hold you in the hollow of his hand. Father, thank you for allowing us to be together tonight. Thank you so much for your word. Uh, we thank you that you saw fit to display your son yourself to us and to give us the hope of salvation yes. thank you for floyd and for his words tonight it's in jesus name we pray amen, amen. <clears throat>